0: Welcome to the very first podcast, man. Can you guys believe it? This has been a long time coming. This is episode one for the very first podcast. Basically, people always tell me all the time, yo, Still Brazy, what kind of podcast are you going to make? What are you going to talk about? You know, people tell me that I'm like, man, well, let me see. I'm a photographer. I'm from Los Angeles. I shoot cops and gang members. I mean, I might as well talk about lifestyle because I've been noticing that this type of market and this whole podcast vibe and what's going on right now. And as far as like the industry, there's not a lot of people that are from my community and that are from my area that really can dwell in and talk about things in this nature. So I really think that I can really tap into this and, you know, bring some insight on you know, how I grew up in the streets of Los Angeles and, you know, got into trouble as a teenager, you know, and growing up with parents that are affiliated with gangs, but yet I'm Lebanese, Greek, and Mexican. So I'm mixed in between all three, you know, and my parents being born and raised in downtown Los Angeles as well and learning the lifestyles of what it is in the Chicano culture and the whole Raza based in the area of the downtown MacArthur Park area. So I think it's pretty interesting for me to come into this and dwell on certain topics that a lot of you have consistently asked me questions on Instagram Live. I honestly think that I'm going to consistently be on this specific platform to, you know, dig in deep into conversation and just really talk some shit. You know, I think it's a great thing. So, um, further ado, Let's see. So we got we we got some topics and I'm actually going onto my onto my Instagram and I'm actually looking at some some of the different topics that people have asked and have asked me on here, you know, because I wanted to see what we can actually talk about and, you know, you know, kind of give my insight on certain things, you know. So some people have asked me certain things like, for instance, you know, in your perspective, have you seen gentrification affect Los Angeles? And I've talked about this plenty of times on my Instagram live and I said you know if you can't pay you can't stay this is the way the city is you know at the time where the where the recession hit back in two thousand eight a lot of these a lot of these banks started buying these homes and then you got people from like you know, coming, moving in from Orange County, from uh, Idaho, from fucking Portland, from wherever, all over the world. And what they do is they buy these properties, right? At a low, low price from the bank. So what they do is, and then they start renting it out to different people, but they raise the prices a lot higher. So the people that actually come into these communities are people that actually come from money, you know? Or it could be people that want to take a risk and they're in the creative world and they come and live in areas like Venice, areas like Highland Park, Areas like Echo Park. I really haven't seen the gentrification really kick in in like the Alvarado Park area, the Alvarado Terrace Park area, towards like Hoover and Venice and Pico Union. It hasn't really dipped into that pocket yet, but I have seen it coming all around like Pico and Normandy. You know, they have retrofitted apartments over there on Pico and Normandy, which is insane. I'm like, holy crap, who would have seen retrofitted apartments on? pico in normandy all the way down to pico in vermont like i i would have never i would have never guessed something like that would have ever existed so in 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 situations like that it's it's a trip because it's like you want to be able to you know live where you live in your 500 square foot apartment or 600 square foot apartment because best believe living in los angeles anything over a thousand square foot that's considered luxury it 's not like that anymore, you know everything 's completely smaller. People pay you know a lot more. It just depends on the the rent control in the area so I really think that there's that there's changes that are happening right now because of what 's going on with the whole with the whole uh, situation with this virus on what 's going on and basically people aren 't paying the rent right now so I think from the news that I've read today that I believe the mayor or the governor, one of the two, have stated what their plan is is to kick out the landlords. What they wanna do is kick out the landlords and bring the homeless people into these into these places. So I believe the city, I, I don't know how the the, the the political, technical part of it works, but I believe that the city wants to buy these so-called almost abandoned buildings and bring homeless people in there because let's face it, The gangsters ain't out anymore. You don't see gang members out in the streets like that. Back in the 90s, that's all you used to see is the gang members posted up on Broadway, posted up in downtown, posted up everywhere. And what were they doing? Dressing up clean, you know? And, and making their money in whatever regards and how they made their money, you know? You didn't see homeless like that. I knew when I grew up as a kid in downtown Los Angeles, you did have your homeless people, but it wasn't like this. Like, it was just a little pocket in, in skid row, but it wasn't like it is now. It's like, it's all over the place now. Like, people bring in tents. It's like, why, why even pay rent? You could just live on the street. Somehow, some way. people are gonna survive. They can't kick you off the streets of L.A., you can go walk walk to the beach. You can do whatever you want pretty much. So the city's trying to figure out different ways right now, especially with the virus hitting, you know, all the homeless people in, in those areas. So I think it's pretty fucked up and it's crazy. But then I do feel bad for some landlords. Some landlords are like, man, fuck this. You know, this is crazy. Like you got to pay rent. People are like, I can't pay rent. What are you going to do? The city just passed a new law. You can't kick me out of here. It's a it's a crazy situation like some of the fat has to get cut out, you know, it's either the people or is it going to be the landlords, which one is going to cause less destruction? I don't think landlords are going to be the ones cuz they're the ones that have money that's backed up, so they might just pick up and move out. That's what happened in the 90s when the gangs started arising, a lot of the so-called, you know, a lot of the so-called like suburban people, they moved the fuck out, you know? So a different type of generation grew up in that ty- in that city and kind of flourished from there and the gang culture spewed all over the place you know but now th- that that type of generation's completely watered down like you don't see the gangs anymore in the city of los angeles you do but they're not like they're not posted out in the front like they used to be they're not kicking it with the homies smoking a blunt or whatever just kicking it if they do they're super low key they might look like a paisa. you don't know you know what i'm saying they're super fucking low key they're not they're not around like that so that's that's basically you know, my take on the whole gentrification because I know everybody wants me to tap into that. So I I just feel like, yeah, it's changing. You're gonna get a lot more suburb people that are mixed in with the with the Rasa community in downtown Los Angeles, you know? And that's basically the way, the you know, on how I see it, you know? Um, but, you know, a lot of people ask me some interesting topics over here, you know? Like asking me things like, what is my favorite childhood memory growing up in the hood? well I do remember some things fireworks were easy to get growing up in the neighborhood you know when I moved over to the when I moved over to the valley like later on in my life you couldn't have like certain things like fireworks or have parties till like two a.m in downtown Los Angeles in downtown Los Angeles you can have parties until the sun rises until the sun sits, sets like it was just crazy the way it worked out you know but I would say my 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 back in the day like I grew up with listening to a lot of rap i grew up with playing video games i grew up around nothing but the latino culture that's what i grew up to my whole life you know since i was a since i was a little kid like i mean I, i've seen it from my dad i've seen it from my mom i seen it across the street with all the kids playing you know i was the whitest on the block i looked at my skin my dad was dark well he is dark it's not like he was but he is dark But i looked at my skin i'm like damn dude like i don't fit in with these people you know these people you know which became my people you get what i'm saying like i grew up there i i grew up kicking it with fernando ramon luis ernesto whatever these dudes real names were until we grow up and then everybody starts having different monikers because when you're little kids you don't you don't you don't think about oh i'm gonna join a gang when i get older you just want to listen to gangster shit. And like, you know, you you start making those decisions once you start hitting like 11, 12, 13, 14. We've we matured fast down there in the city. There was a lot of struggle you know, like hearing a gunshot at night was completely normal. That's wild. If you if you let off a gunshot in the suburbs, the whole neighborhood's gonna come out like, what the fuck? Down there was like completely normal. It was normal here in helicopters. It was normal here in police sirens. Like that. That was me growing up, six years old, five years old. You know, growing up in that in that in that environment, and really like dwelling myself into that, you know, and I always wanted to become a cop. Like ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to become a police officer because I used to see it in the movies like Terminator and Die Hard and playing Resident Evil part two back in 1998. Like I I was always into that shit, you know, where I begged my mom to take me to the police explore program over at Rampart. And I remember she took me over there and I was so excited, you know, and she told me if you graduate, I'm going to give you $300. I said, watch, I'm going to graduate. You know, I'm like 12 years old. So I go through the whole program and everything like that. Man, look at me. I'm a police explorer. Like I'm gonna be a, you know, something like a superhero, you know, as I get older. Best believe my pops was not having that shit growing up. He's like, man, fuck that. Because my dad growing up, he never got along with the cops in that generation. A lot of cops in the 80s, in the 70s, in the 90s, they they weren't too friendly like they are now. I feel like cops now, like LAPD now, is the friendliest ever. Like you can actually I'd say like 90% of them are pretty, you know, unless you're doing something that you're unaware of and you're breaking the law, you know, you're a grown adult and you're breaking the law, then of course they're going to do their job and try to, you know, apprehend your ass. But I feel like for the most part, you can like as a photographer, I can walk up to a police officer and shoot their photos and they don't mind at all. I tell them all the time I do journalistic work. They don't they don't care, you know. I mean, even now there's some people that really test cops and like talk shit to them and curse at them and these are like dudes that are in their early 20s, you know? And I'm just like, man, like give them a chance at least, you know, like you don't have to bring automatically the band hammer just because of this old school racist cop back in the early 90s, you know, that's how it is. It's just, if there's one bad bad apple in the basket, the rest of them are, are bad too, you know, like, People just, they go off of that majority of the time. You know, I mean, I look at the same way with gang members. Not every gang member is your so-called homie. When you join a gang, do you think that all those people are going to take a bullet for you? 98% most likely not. You know, are all those people going to, when you go to jail, are they not going to fuck your girlfriend? Most likely they will fuck her. Are they not going to want to hook up with your mom or, you know, do some scandalous shit? Majority of the time they do. Damn, bro, that's fucked up. So what's the benefit about being a gangster? Hmm, maybe the adrenaline rush. I think that's what it might be. It's just the adrenaline rush. You like that edginess, the adrenaline. So you could do that becoming a cop, you know? You can grow up, you know, if anybody that's debating 14, 15 years old and you grew up in, the, look, this is the way I see it. If you grew up in the community of downtown Los Angeles and you want to grow up and you want to become a police officer and you want to help maintain, you know, peace in that city and you understand the way that city works, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. What I don't understand is some people that grew up in Simi Valley their whole life and then they think that they know the streets of downtown LA. They don't know shit. It's going to take a lot of years for you to understand the streets of downtown, South Central, but they do do that. That's why there's a lot of problems and there's so many turnover rates. And a lot of those guys, they can't hang that many years. So they have to go on leave because they fucked up. You got to respect the ones that grew up within the city, you know, especially that wants to become law enforcement. And if you look over here, like if you look on the LAPD website, like seriously, if you look on the LAPD website, what is the first thing you see? You see a woman. You see, you see a Latina and you see a black woman cop. They're pro for that. You know, they're all about that. You know, they're like, Hey, you know what? There's no discrimination here. We want everybody to join on in gay, Muslim, whatever you are, LGBTQ. As long as you pass the background and you good, you in, man. You know, I always said, I always said to one of my homeboys, I was like, man, I wish I can go back in the day and like kind of make a little twist, you know? So I said, you know what? I, I really dig it. Like, I think it's cool. Like, let's be, let's be real. Let's be honest. Majority of us love watching cop movies. Don't lie. Anything that you see LAPD on and it's a cop movie, best believe you guys, whether you're a gangster, whether you're this, whether you're a criminal, whatever it is, you're damn well know you're going to watch that shit. You mean to tell me that the gangsters were protesting when Training Day came out? No. You think that the gangsters were protesting when the movie Colors came out? No. Was anybody protesting when the movie End of Watch came out? No. Majority of gangsters and people that live in the hood love those cop movies. You get what I'm saying? It's only fuck a cop when you get pulled over and you get caught for the dumb shit that you do. That's when people say, man, fuck the police, fuck this, because you got caught up with some bullshit. Know your awareness. I guarantee, I'm telling you, man, I'm, and this is coming from me, LAPD's not going around coming with a baton hitting motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? They're most likely wearing a camera. And if they do do some outlandish shit, trust me, the repercussions are gonna be heavy for them. Like, if you get in trouble as a cop now, it's 10 times worse than it was 20 years ago. They will, the city will press charges on your ass because damn well, the city is not trying to see, not trying to have them pull out their wallet and pay, you know, Jane Doe or John Doe or whoever this person is and give them a fat ass check. They ain't trying to see that shit. No fucking way. So what I'm trying to say is that if you're ever thinking about that, do it. Hey, look, I was I was a cadet before I got, you know, involved in some bullshit as a kid, you know, and I wish I pursued that. Seriously, like, fuck, that shit would have been so fun, man. That's why I like I go around and I like shoot photography and I love it. I love the I love the adrenaline, you know. And, uh, I've dated, I've dated a woman and, you know, in the past that her father was the captain to LAPD. I've dated someone and it was the most craziest experience. I was like, no way your pops is the captain. That's fucking nuts. And she didn't know nothing about it. Really? Like she's just a normal female from the suburbs. You know, that was in the past. But yeah, man, you know, I really think that if you have a dream and you want to pursue, whether it's in the army or the Marines or sheriffs or you want to be a National Guard or FBI agent, whatever it is, do it. But help the community at the same time, too. You know, and I think this is a good PR system. Like, dude, I just literally saw some LAPD go over to an old man's house and and mow his lawn. That's cool, man. Or give an older gentleman person. And that's that's what we need. Hey, people are like, oh, well, they're doing it because they did this. Well, that's, that's your personal excuse. You have a personal, you have a personal problem them. They don't need to be doing that. They don't need to be doing that. Serious talk. They don't need to be going up to someone's house and giving them money and doing that. They do that because they, they, they want to build more trust in the community. Again, not every cop is a good cop. It's always, it's always the good cop that gets the bad rap. You get what I'm saying? And when the bad cop gets caught up, they best believe the city fucking presses charges on them. I, it, it, it's all, it, it, once it hits the media, it's a wrap for that person. you know. But again, we always hear things like, oh my God, there's a cop in Mississippi that did this or a cop in Texas that did this. It all falls back down to LAPD. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's interesting how that works out. You know? when they're trying their best to try to maintain the community, that's a, that's a stressful job, man. You know, for you to deal with people that curse at you all day, that talk shit to you all day. I mean, Hey, I salute to you because if you hold that much composure, that's, I think that's awesome. You know, and you're helping people. That's awesome. It's the state that we live in and it's the world that we live in. So that's me touching on that topic, you know, um, Let's see. I mean, there's not that many topics people ask me. People ask me about things about graffiti. You know, um, I, I don't. I don't really care for graffiti too much. I think it's a mess, to be honest. Like, unless you're drawing something that's like an like an art piece or a placasso or something like that, I think that's dope. You know, I think those things are really cool. You know, but graffiti is just—it's a mess, bro. All the bubble letters on the wall and everything—that shit is a complete mess. I don't know. Growing up as a kid, I used to see it so often, but like actually, like scribing with graffiti and everything, I don't know. Just it was never my thing, you know. Because growing up in an area that was predominantly gang banging, graffiti was frowned upon in those areas. You know, if you grew up in in a barrio that was predominantly around gangsters, you never saw taggers around there. If you did, they usually came out like in the midnight. They'll hit up their little, you know, chicken scratches and they'll dip out. You used to never see him really out there like that. And it's interesting now because now these so-called taggers that I see, they throw up their tagging crew like it's a neighborhood, but they're not from a neighborhood, but they try to act gangster, but they're not a gangster. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's wishy-washy to me, man. It's either you're gonna go in or you're gonna go out. It's kind of like me getting into photography. I'm going all in on this. It's me like going into podcast. I'm going in all all in on this. A lot of the stuff is Mickey Mouse nowadays, you know? People get their stripes over the internet. They try to act hard over the internet. You know, it's, 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 it's a joke nowadays, you know, but it is what it is. What can we do? Somebody also asked me about another topic. They said the best city to get street tacos from. I mean, look, people automatically think that LA is the place to get tacos, which I agree. Yeah, you can get some good tacos everywhere. It's kind of hard to fuck up Mexican food. If you fuck up Mexican food, man, man, it's very difficult to fuck up Mexican food, you know, (laughs) it's one of those things that it's, you know, you gotta, yeah, it's pretty bad, but I gotta say, man, you know, I went over to the 909 San Bernardino area, Rancho Cucamonga, Um, I believe it's Fontana that's down there, I believe it might be North Fontana, I went to a place called um, Rosa Maria's, It was the most amazing, crispy taco I ever had. And all they make is carnitas, you know? Is it carnitas or maybe shredded beef? It's one of the two, but it's really juicy, really tasty. And it's crispy and they put a lot of fresh cheese on it. Ah, it's the most amazing thing I've tasted, you know? But then you want to come down to LA. You want to have the tacos cooking on on, on the charcoal, you know? And you add the carne asada meat and you put all the the toppings on top of it. And it's so good. You're like in a dangerous area and you're chewing on this spicy ass taco, drinking your, uh, Coca-Cola from the actual bottle. There's different ways of eating tacos. There's not that one place. I don't care what anybody says. There's no such thing as that one place that has the best Mexican food. Cause there's always better somewhere else. Just what it is. That's how it is. Yeah, you're going to have what's popular. Yeah, you're going to have less popular and more popular. Even the less popular still gets traffic. Even the less popular still does. So it just depends on what's close by to you, what's convenient for you, how's the parking? Cuz let me tell you, I don't care if it's the most amazing fucking Mexican food in the world, if there's no parking and they don't take Apple Pay <laughs> or a debit card, I'm out. I understand that we're in the generate that's the generation that we're in now like come on man, everybody has an iPhone, you know, let me cash app you at least, you know? But you got to come with cash. I don't think we're gonna see tacos for a long time after what's going on right now with this virus. I don't I don't think that we're, you know, I've been seeing the taco trucks. I don't know how they're functioning, but you don't see the lines like we used to before. I, I know I don't see it anymore. You know, it's not like what it used to be. No, not anymore. Most definitely not, you know? So um, yeah, it's interesting. Somebody gave me a, uh, somebody <laughs> asked me something in Russian and I can't even understand Russian. Isn't that, it's so funny. You know, um, but yeah, uh, you know, growing up and, you know, getting involved in the wrong things and then, you know, getting into college and going to community college. And then after that, going over to USC, I really did something for myself. You know, I made myself a career because if I can do it, anybody else can do it, you know? And, um, I think it's a, it's a good thing. And then I pick up, you know, journalism. What the hell is journalism? If you were to tell me journalism back now, I wouldn't know what the hell that means picked up journalism, picked up a camera, started taking photos, documenting. I love it. You know, it's because it, it, it gives me a reason to be out there again. It gives me a reason to be out in the streets. I love the adrenaline rush. I love it. You know, it's just what I thrive on. Maybe it might be the Lebanese and my genetics. I thrive on that stuff, you know, and uh, I like, I like, creating different things, you know, it's one of my, one of the fun things to do, you know, and I've always grown up with a camera, like there's always been a camera around in my life, ever since I was a little kid, I've always had a camera around me, you know, um, I remember, what was the, like the first camera that I ever had, it was one of those cameras that slide in and out, I forgot the name of it, but it's one of those cameras that slide and it was like, it looked like a rectangle, it's an old school film camera, you know, I used to have one of those, but, you know, we never thought about taking pictures and saving these photos because 20 years from then where there's going to be a platform called Instagram and people are going to beef it with each other on this platform. <laughs> Can you believe that? God, I know I wouldn't, you know, if you were to tell me back in the days when I used to be on a pay phone calling my girlfriend at that time, you know, you're going to tell me, hey, homie, you're gonna have an iPhone one day and you're gonna be able to FaceTime people, this and that. I would have looked at you and slapped the fuck out of you and be like, shut the fuck up, Tweaker. Boy, was I wrong. You know, I wish I would have peeked into what's in the future, kind of like the movie Back to the Future, you know, with that little almanac in Back to the Future where Marty McFly tried to get that almanac so he can make bets in the future on which games to win so he can become a multimillionaire. But instead, Biff got that book in part two and he became the multimillionaire. Man, if I would have known to invest it into a company like Amazon, I think I would have been straightened, but the whole rest of my life or investing into Apple stocks, man, we never knew about this stuff. It's a, it's a gamble. Life is a gamble. Now it's completely saturated. You got to do something that goes against the grain sometimes in life. You know, what can you do to stand out? Whether it's becoming a chef, whether it's becoming a photographer, you know, me being a guy that's from the streets and from Los Angeles, I'm shooting photos of cops. People are like, oh, you're this, you're that, you're that. Whatever, I like it. I think it looks cool and it's different, you know? So those are the things that I like, I, I like looking at and I like, you know, uh, digging in deep to when it comes to things like that, you know? So I don't know, that's, that's just a hobby of mine and I don't think it's gonna go anywhere, you know? And plus I have people like Estevano Royal who became a friend of mine because my stepdad's brother is Mike Miller, The photographer, Mike Miller, who introduced me to Estevano Royal, and I became friends with Estevano Royal ever since. And I remember when I brought Estevano Royal down into Inglewood to do a photo shoot with some homies, nobody knew who the fuck he was. I was like, dude, this is the guy that produced this and this. Only one girl at the party knew who he was. Everybody didn't know. They're like, who's Estevano Royal? I was like, you guys, this guy is like a legend, you know? I always looked at him as a legend, you know, because the guy shot photos and did things that we can only just imagine in our dreams. We can only pay homage and continue on his legacy. That's what I, what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to continue with my own style because a lot of people do like the carbon copy, what he does. You know, they do the carbon copy. They shoot with the exact same camera. They do the exact same film. They, they try to shoot the exact same things, but they can't just quite do it. You know, that's what it is. It's kind of like Scott Storch playing Still Dre on the keys. Anybody can replicate those keys. Dun, 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 you know what I'm saying? But only Scott Storch knows how to do it. So you gotta take, pay homage, and just continue on the legacy, you know? And that's how it is. And stand apart, make something different. And I feel like there's so many eyes on my Instagram page. There's so many eyes on it. I, you know, it's like, not only are the haters, but I got so many people that support me. Let me tell you, I sold 317 prints. 317 prints in less than a week and a half. And I'm on my first podcast right now. That's insane. I, I would have, I you know, what's funny is the girl that I was dating at the time, I said to her, I was like, man, maybe I might sell like four or five prints, 317. And I was selling the prints. I was literally selling the prints a little bit over $100 a piece, you know? And they sold, people bought art. And I said, you know what? This holds something because when you have an actual print, And you put it in a frame and you put that print on your wall, that's going to be there forever or however long you keep it up there. Art goes everywhere. I mean, I have pictures of from Fader Magazine, YG, of J Dilla, Rough Draft, Lowrider pictures on my wall. They've been sitting on my wall for the past six years. They haven't moved. You know, like it's not like clothing. We go through clothing. We go through women. You go through men. We go through shoes. We go through socks. But art lasts forever. It does. It does. It's not going anywhere. And I always feel like, I always felt like, man, you know, like I'm literally investing into myself, putting my art, my sweat and tears, because let me tell you, a lot of those pictures that I shot, I just, I, you can't shoot those photos from home. You got to put gas in your car. You got to go to the city and you got to go out there and hunt for the image. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work that goes behind it. It's a lot of work that goes behind it. Some people don't understand it. Some people do majority of my community i'd say about the ones that purchased my prints do understand my art and do understand the vision and the direction which i can do is only respect and appreciate those to you know really support me in that in that field and i think i'm going to continue on with the photography and continue on doing these podcasts and i'm only going to grow from here you guys that's basically what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna keep on growing and growing and growing and expanding and innovating more youngsters that come into this field and say, hey, Still Brazy, what do you think I should do? What do you think about these photos? What do you think about my music? You know?" And I'll give my personal opinion on it, which is cool. They can take it. They don't have to take it. That's up to them. So in all other words, you guys, this is episode part one i'm 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 so glad if you listen to this for the full 30 minutes much love and respect to you real talk you know and i think this is this is a great start you know i'm still waiting for my microphone to come in so if the sound and the background noise sounds kind of off i apologize for that but i mean if you guys stuck with me through the instagram lives you know and i feel like the instagram live is a lot worse than what i'm doing right now thank you so much for being a part of this and uh I'm gonna come up with different topics of my own and we're just gonna talk and just, you know, you guys have something to listen to in the background. And uh, I just wanna always give my love to everybody that's been supporting me since day uno. And for all you new people,